Well, good morning, Los Angeles. Wow, I said good morning. It feels really late. It feels really, really late. If it's morning, I'm hosed. Because <laughs> really that means I didn't sleep. But what are you going to do? Uh, if, hey, if you're listening, you are listening to Two Tired Guys tonight on Apologetics.com radio, where we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. My name is John Noise, and I'm your host. I'm in studio with Eric Horn. Good afternoon, evening. Evening. Good after evening. After evening. Yes. After evening night. This is after evening for sure. This is definitely for sure after evening. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the crickets have come out and play. It's better than the cockroaches coming out in the play. Oh, my goodness. We saw a lot of cockroaches oh, just a couple minutes ago. But anyways, not, we're not here not to talk about cockroaches. Not at the studio, no. Not at the studio. On the streets of Glendale. On the mean streets of Glendale, California, where we're broadcasting live. Hey, if you're listening, you are listening live. And uh, we're on KKLA in these amazing studios. And you can give us a call. And that's why it's uh, a benefit or a good thing that we're broadcasting live because you can call us at 888-995-5552 that's 888-995-KKLA and um oh you know what i just want to make a note before we get into anything if we actually get into anything this evening is uh lolita if you're listening lolita you called last week and i owe you a book and I just sent you an email because the email that was forwarded over to me did not have your address. So just keep your eye open. Um, you know who you are. Uh, last last week we talked about some fun stuff. Um, Eric Mason's book on uh, um, critical theory and uh, mm-hmm. racial reconciliation and stuff. We talked me, Harry Edwards, and uh, Jason. Jason's last name is escaping me right now. Gallagher. Jason Gallagher. They're really good guys. No, he's not the British dude. The British guy is, oh man, what's his name? I forget his name too. We shouldn't Mm -hmm. talk about the stuff I forget. No. It's late and I'm tired. It's late, yeah. But I'm feeling good other than that. I I sat on the diet, Eric. I went off of it. I went off of it tonight for you. Well. Just for you. Wow. But yeah. How's the diet going? It's been two days. I've only cheated like six times. Well, it's your cheat day. You can start with your cheat day. Well, yesterday was a cheat day. <laughs> so really, I only did one day last week. Oh, man. What are we going to do? It's a it's an evil world. It is. It's an evil. evil. It's an evil, evil world. Now, uh, how you been, man? I've been good. I, I've just been um, busy. Life is coming at me. I, I mean, the, the kids are all grown up, but it's it's still coming. It's still, it doesn't slow down. It doesn't slow down. It speeds up. Yeah. Time, yeah. Time goes by. Your parents tell you that, like yeah. all the time. People, people told me that all the time, and I didn't believe them. Yeah, and, you're like and, whatever, dude. And you, you folks out there aren't going to believe me either. Yeah, the young folks who are listening, the young folks who are tuning in, you need to, you need to slow down, enjoy, enjoy, have fun, get out there on the mean streets of Glendale with the cockroaches. Yeah, avoid the cockroaches. Avoid the cockroaches, but have some fun and definitely try to slow down. Yeah, it flies by, man. It's, it it's like insane. We were sitting before this having dinner and um, just like looking kind of, we were sitting outside on the, on the, out, on the sidewalk. Well, I guess it was a street, but now it's part of the restaurant um, because this thing called COVID, COVID-19. COVID yeah. It's like this virus. It's supposed to be pretty gnarly. It's going around. Um, but anyways, we were eating dinner and I was looking through the window of the restaurant where we were at and like seeing like the young people that were in there and just like, oh my gosh, like that, that was like me yesterday. I feel like that was me yesterday. And, and it's not me. Like I'm, I'm 
20 years older now and it goes by just like that yeah so it's so fast yeah it took us a couple minutes to get out of our chairs oh dude so sore (laughs) (laughs) sitting is so hard (laughs) oh Oh, man man. what are we doing to ourselves what are we we doing what are we doing you know what I don't know what we're doing, man. We're just having some fun. Yeah, let's have some fun tonight. Let's. I think we should. Let's talk about something deep. Deep and disturbing. No. All right. Yeah, throw a little mm-hmm. disturbing on the side there. You want to tell ghost stories? I have ghost stories. I don't want to hear your ghost stories. Ghost oh. stories freak me out. Okay. I, I When I was in uh, school, I went to Biola, uh, Talbot Biola for my master's in Christian apologetics, and... So, uh, if, if you're listening, I I was I used to be an atheist. If you don't know my background, so I was I was an atheist for a very long time, and then became a Christian. So I was a naturalist, right? right? So I didn't believe in the supernatural. Everything could be explained through naturalistic processes. Is is what I held to. That was my worldview. And so, even carrying that over in like becoming a Christian, I didn't just like all of a sudden become unskeptical of things. And I never I. I didn't believe in the supernatural realm. Like I believed in the resurrection. I believed like in that kind like the fundamental stuff, but I didn't believe in, you know, demons and all this stuff. And, uh, so I took a course on demonology with professor Kevin Lewis at Biola. And if you guys can ever uh, audit that class, I highly recommend it. It's unbelievable. Um, and I went in there and I was like, I, it was like in the, it was a night class. Um, so and it was like a long class. So it was like three hours long and you, it was like an intensive. So it was like three hours every night for like two weeks. Of course it was at night and it was at night <laughs> and I'm, and I'm a big guy. Like I'm like two fifty six three. you know, I'm like a tough guy, you know, and then, uh, I'm not scared of much. And, yeah, and like, I mean, and and uh, I, I I raised my hand at the beginning, and, and Dr. Lewis and I are friends, so we knew each other. It was towards the end of my my time at uh, Biola, and I said, "Hey, I just want to hear some stories. Like, do you have any like stories? Like," and he went on to tell like two or three stories. And by the end of the third story, I raised my hand. I was like, "I don't want to hear any more stories, man, because I'm like freaking out over here, dude. Like, I don't want to hear any of these any more stories because like they're just too scary for me. I prefer to." Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm equipped to deal with that kind of stuff, and I've dealt with it, but I avoid it at all costs. It's just too, it's too freaky for me. I've never had anything direct. Oh yeah, but I, but I know people who have. They've told stories, and that they're 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 crazy. yeah. That well, that's the way it was with Doctor Lewis. It was and, like it's yeah. like it's like hearing somebody just go off. You know, like they're crazy, like there's some kind of, uh, you know, mentally unstable, but you know the person. Yeah. You know yeah. their background. You know they're not just making stuff up. Yeah. They're not impressing you with their story. Like right. it's the, they're telling it because it's true. And that was with, with Dr. That's Lewis. That's had, what makes it really scary. He had a bunch of like gnarly, gnarly stories. And uh, since then, I try to avoid, you know, spiritual, dark spiritual stuff. So, so tonight, you know what we should do is we should probably talk about the problem of evil. All right. I think that'd be good. Yeah, let's do it. That'd be fun. Problem of evil. Yeah, what do you think about the... Do you have anything to add up front? Problem of evil? <sighs> Problem of evil. I mean, it's a, it's a classic It's a classic approach. It's a classic atheist um, question yeah. you're going to get. Uh, people are going to say there's a there's a, a an all-present, all so omnipresent... Uh, all-powerful. All-powerful, benevolent God who apparently allows people to suffer... Um, and, and you may even get the uh, enjoys watching people suffer. Well, yeah, that's what the uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll embellish it that way. That's what the atheist or the naturalist, like the the uh, non-deist, will he, say to you. He enjoys it, you know. And it's it's actually a pretty difficult 
problem to come away from because I don't think there are a lot of good answers. I mean, really deep down, because because it ends up you end up having to need to know God's will to really fully explain. Yeah, yeah. So there's definitely there's definitely a, a place where you get towards the sovereignty of God and right. the will of God, and there's uh, that God's created. You know, Isaiah, God says that you, uh, my ways are not your ways; my ways are higher than your ways. Um, and his ways are better than our ways. Um, but that's deep down in, into the argument. But the, I mean, this, this argument uh, that you just mentioned um, is the one that, as an atheist, I used to use this the most often um, and, and throw it in the face of the Christian. Yep. Um, but uh, I didn't realize that it actually isn't, it, it is a problem. But it's not just a problem for the Christian. Right. That's right. It's also a problem for the, for the atheist. You know, right, for the person, they have to admit that there's evil. They have to admit that there's evil. Yeah, and and I think that's a, I think that's a sticking point for the atheist. You know, and um, yeah, I think I think beforehand, what I'd like to do is just kind of talk about um, this issue. You know, uh, and and point out the fact that there's a, a couple different problems of evil. You know, there's the um, emotional problem of evil. And that's going to be uh, where somebody suffers a traumatic event, um, the loss of a loved one, uh, a gnarly something happens in somebody's life that affects them, and, and they're suffering, legitimately suffering from it. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's like that's the emotional problem of evil. And I want to point this out up front because uh, the I think in the course of tonight we're going to talk about the problem of evil and we're going to um, – we're going to show how to refute the logical problem of evil. That's the other type of problem of evil, the lodge or the evidential problem of evil. And I don't recommend going into every conversation when you have a buddy or family member who's suffering greatly. It doesn't help to go in and offer them, you know, uh, four reasons why the, the problem of evil uh, doesn't it isn't uh, evidence not, against Christianity. It's not helpful. It's not helpful. So it's good in a debate. It's good in the debate, but even in the debate, I think we need to, as Christians, we should be leading with compassion yes. because here's the special thing. Here's the, here's the great thing about the problem of evil. Uh, everybody has experienced evil in some pain, suffering, however you want to categorize it. Every single person that has ever walked this planet uh, has experienced some form of evil. So there's a, a common understanding of what evil is, at least on a surface level. That's interesting. You said um, you kind of implied that suffering and pain are evil. Is that really true? I mean, is that is that? Uh... Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, that's. I, I think. I. I think that we'll get there for sure. But like, I. Our worldview, so the Christian worldview, not necessarily. I think when you don't have a transcendent God, or um, anything other than this life. I think that generally speaking, it, it has to be evil. Anything that anything that ends your life has to be evil. And actually, at the same time, it can't be evil because you don't. Have, we're going to get to that, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, but like, yeah, you know, Bertrand Russell, he was really famous for uh, in his debate. I think it was with uh, Frederick Cop Frederick Copleston. I can't remember off the top of my mind. I don't have the site in front of me. You know, um, and they were talking about this issue, and he said, "He said, how can you talk about God when you're kneeling at the bed of a dying child?" And this is an example of the emotional problem yeah. of evil. How can you talk about about God 
but the response that that Cobbleston gave him was, well, what what are you going to say? You know, what what are you going to say? Because I can kneel and 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 talk about the love of God to a child. I can talk to his parents about the sacrifice of Christ and and the understanding of the pain and the suffering that they're going through, and the hope of not only uh, a better day, but actually being reunited as a family for eternity. And what do you have as an atheist? You know, uh, you know, what Bertrand Russell. What do you offer the dying child? Not ah, too bad. Tough luck, right? You know, up. Oh, it's just the way the cookie crumbles. This is the way the cookie crumbles, you know, and um, yeah. So and that's that's a, that's just a good example of the emotional problem of evil, and that just leads us into uh, the intellectual problem of evil. And you've already um, you've already stated it, Eric, like really well. So the uh, the idea is the it, it goes like this: uh, an omnibenevolent but an omnibenevolent and all good and all loving God would want to eliminate evil, and an omnipotent God, an all powerful God, would be able to eliminate evil. Uh, but evil exists. Therefore, God's either uh, too sinister to care about people or too weak to oppose evil. So um, the, the, where we land is that most, most, most probably God just simply uh, doesn't exist at all. You know, that's the point. That's the thrust behind the problem of evil, right? So, so uh, if God is all good, he would want to eliminate evil. If he's all powerful, he could eliminate evil. Evil exists, therefore... God, at least in the Christian form, can't exist. Right. This so, is the way the argument. So goes. the argument attacks God, the attributes of God and attempts to to um, discredit one of them. Yeah, and and without one, you lose you lose God. God can't be God without all all of its attributes. That's right. You start you you eliminate one of the attributes, and uh, and you no longer have um, that. Well, at least uh, the the God of the Bible. You know, I mean, right. you might have a different God. But not not this not, not the, the God that we're God. talking about, yeah, and um, and and I can we can see why this is actually one of the favorite arguments that's around. We can see why this is actually a challenge in our lives, our own lives, when we're wrestling with these things, you know, because like what we just said, it seems like there's a logical contradiction going on here uh, within God's nature. You know, right. he's kind of fighting against himself. Well, it's really easy to introduce an, an emotional argument and put the put the Christian in an, an awkward position of having to say that, um, well, the rape happened. Sorry. Yeah, it's just the will of God. Oh, right. That, that that's the direction that that it's that it goes. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's also there's a truth to that, right? So, so this is, but this is the problem. That's a callous response. Yes. And and I think uh, you bring up a really good point here, Eric. I think it's important for us to to be clear on on two things that come out of this, right? The the first is is that that we don't come at these things like me as a trained apologist uh, or. Um, or a pastor or anything, you don't come at it as a, as a trained anything. You know, we come uh, to this issue, we approach it as, as just human beings, you know, and, and we live in the same world as everybody else. And, um, and we have to answer the, that same problem that everybody else has to wrestle with. We, we experience uh, the, we experience suffering and pain and evil and, and things like that. And we, this is how we have to remember that. Uh, oftentimes, I feel like with apologetics, we can get lost in the apologetic. That's right. You know, but, but, but one famous Christian apologist used to say that behind every question is a questioner. And it's really important that we remember that, that these, these issues, oftentimes when you raise the problem of evil, when somebody's raising the problem of evil, it's because they've suffered um, to a certain extent, or they're currently suffering even. And we need to remember that as we're addressing people, that there's, there's real human beings that have feelings yep. behind this, this issue. That's a, that's a good criticism. I think that's a, that's a good criticism of Christianity in general, the state of the church today. Yeah. We're not, 
compassionate. We're not the compassionate church that we need to be. Well, this is like a, I mean, this could be a totally different topic to talk about, like maybe not tonight, but another time is just the current state of culture. It feels like that's a true across the board. Everybody is so hostile. I feel like, uh, there's a lot of hostility, a lot of hostility from all sides. Like there's, there's very little compassion. So like this is a total, what would you say? I was going to say, I was on Twitter today and I actually had a pleasant conversation and it was a unique experience. Yeah. An exchange with somebody on a, on a passionate topic, um, had nothing to do with Christianity. And, uh, it was, it, we, we actually exchanged ideas and we, and we kind of explored each other's views. Um, and it was really pleasant, but the, the thing that stands out is that's a, that's an extremely rare thing to, yeah. most of the time it's uh you don't, you're you no know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. You idiot. You idiot. You don't know anything. Yeah. And that comes from both sides, by it the does. way. Like, yes, yes. it's not just like, it's not just, you know, uh, yeah, well, obviously you would never say anything like that because you're perfect. But no, it's like, um, but it, it's important to remember this. And, and what the problem is, is I feel like I, I, I feel like we, and I say we, the people who share my worldview, Christians, we've we've bought the lie of well, ultimately it finds its its roots in relativism, but um, that's the that's the undergirding philosophy. But the the lie of a new tolerance, where anybody who says anything that disagrees with me is all of a sudden hostile and has to be treated as like a hostile witness. Where where true tolerance is the willingness and the ability to uh, put up with in quotes put up with something, meaning uh, there has to be disagreement, sometimes really strong disagreement in order for there to be tolerance. And I don't see much tolerance going wrong across the board. And in fact, what we're doing is we're able to point, we're starting to point our fingers. Oh, well, you're, you're intolerant, you're intolerant, you're intolerant, and we're all being intolerant. And it's just, it's just very Well, the stakes, icky. the stakes have been risen very, very high. Like they stay, <laughs> I mean, maybe even artificially, right? But, but the stakes are so high, and this is what the people will claim: they, they, the stakes are so high that I can't be tolerant of your of your, your worldview because it destroys my it destroys me. Yeah, or or somebody else. Yeah, it's and it's very personal. It's very right? very personal. It's very personal, and also nobody's ever willing to admit that they're wrong. That's right. Um, which is which is uh, which is a, a huge issue. And actually, you know what's interesting is this this topic that we're talking about tonight, the problem of evil, is actually one of these things that we can kind of rally around because we all experience evil that's the third premise of this argument is is that that evil exists and it's something that we all know exists but it, but because of that just bringing us kind of back to the topic you know um that as we come to these things and approach them as human beings trying to further a, a conversation that's important and not just label people or or, or cast them down or or you know call them names uh, this is a human problem, like a very real human. This is the human problem, I would I, I would say oftentimes. And it's not just a problem for the theist to answer. Because it's a, a human experience, it's important that we have to that we should know that it's uh that everybody has to account for evil in the world. And then what we need to do is we need to look at worldviews. What worldview best explains the evil? Because in, in my mind, you know, uh the atheist or the naturalist who gets rid of God doesn't himself in, in getting rid of God, he actually doesn't solve the problem. And, and actually, in, in effect, he's actually just getting rid of one of the possible answers to the problem of evil, you know, which, which I think we'll get to. Um, they still, but they still have to answer the, the, the question, um, the question themselves. So I think the question that we should start at is, is what do we make of, uh, of all this evil? You know, um, the, the, the real issue is, is who has the best problem, the best answer to this, to this issue. What do we make of all this evil in the world, 
and um, and so that begs the question, you know, what is uh, what is evil, you know, and and um, you know, we have a we have a caller. Should I take the caller? He's been on hold for a couple of minutes. Yeah, let's do it before we lose go him. to break. Yeah, yeah, awesome, David. David, man, are you there with us? Yeah, I am. Hey, how you doing, David? Hey, good. What's well, going on? I just finished driving a taxi tonight, and I heard your program, and uh, I like apologetics and evangelism, and uh, Kevin Lewis went to our church for a lot of years, and so that's oh. another thing. <laughs> that's awesome. And then you guys started talking about the problem of evil, and some things just started popping in my mind, uh, good scripture verses, and I think one thing that we can say to people when they're their suffering is is will not the judge of the whole earth do what is right yeah absolutely appeal to the character of god first of all and then secondly you know it is mine to avenge i will repay and so god we can tell people you know evil is a temporary problem it might not be solved in our lifetime or the issue they're going through they may not see a resolution but in the end god takes care of all issues with evil that's right. You know, um, everybody will uh, have to give an account before God, and those who believe in Christ, of course, will be forgiven, and those aren't. Um, you know, a, a side note, I, I think that's uh, another interesting question. If there's levels of reward in heaven, is there levels of punishment in hell? And I, I would <laughs> tend to believe that that's probably true. You know, somebody, someone like Stalin or Nazi, or, I mean, um, Hitler. Hitler or somebody like that, you know, killing that many people, I think they're going to be punished more severely. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a general understanding that, you know, so the, the penalty uh, for sin is the same, right? But not all sin is equal. Like certain sins are more, the, the, actually the theological term is more grotesque. <laughs> Uh, you know, there's certain sins that are more grotesque, you know, looking at, um, exactly. watching, watching a movie I ought not like that has pornography or whatnot in it is, is a lot different than exterminating 20 million Jewish people. Um, right. and, and the, the grotesqueness of that carries with it a weight. I'm sure when you're standing in, th- in front of the judgment throne of God, um, however, um, by the grace of God and the cross of Christ, all of those sins, whether it be exterminating 20 million Jews or watching pornography, can be forgiven, which is like the amazing thing. That's the amazing thing. And that's the, that's the solution that you were just talking about, you know, that, that God's judgment um, will fall on those who don't bend their knee to Christ and, uh, in, in the end days. And so they're going to suffer the consequences. And the, the, the evil for them uh, is going to be everlasting torment uh, in, in the pit of hell, which is... I mean, for the unbeliever, what is their hope? I mean, oh, dude. it looks like, you know, the earth is getting more violent. Does the earth just end, you know, like it's with a bang or a whimper? <laughs> I mean, what, what is their solution to, they don't have a solution to evil because it's existed for all time. And yeah, it's not getting any better. It's getting worse. Well, so so the we have the answer and the hope. That's right. Well, I think it's important. Like I think that they do offer answers, right? So the non-believer, the naturalist, the atheist offers offers solution, but the solution is ultimately found in in ourselves, right? So so it's more education, more power, you know, more money. Like like look, well, let's look at the world around us currently, right now. There's all these perceived evils 
in the world. We might not agree on all the evils if they're actually evil or not, but the 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 secular culture is going to say, "Oh, well, no, what we need to do is we need just more education. So we should make f- education free and we just teach everybody right and wrong and then they'll just live it." And they don't understand that because they don't have room for human depravity and and that solution is at best temporary at best at but best temporary any of those solutions ever worked no absolutely not absolutely no. not and that's when you survey history and you realize that that uh you know what it, it's usually attributed to einstein but i don't think he actually said it but he says that the definition of insanity is doing doing the same yes. thing over again and expecting different <laughs> results and it's just not the way that it is but there has been a solution offered and and and, and it's already happened right uh, jesus came and he lived that life that that we should live he paid the, the the penalty that we owe because of our sin and he conquered evil i mean the the, the devil is a footstool is what scripture says you know and uh, and he conquered the grave once and for all for all people currently right now you know that's the that's the world that we live in and um and that's why like when I, like the stuff that you're talking about when we look at the brokenness around the world and uh, even just in our neighborhoods just in our neighborhoods let's just stay local and, and and super practical. That's why I'm always moved to be talking about these things to the people that I love most that I don't agree with, because they need to know that that we have the solution, and and His name is Jesus, and uh, and God will wipe every tear, uh, He'll cure every disease. You know, uh, there will be no uh, tears in heaven, um, and uh, but the only way to heaven is is through Jesus Christ, and and that's what that's what leads. You said you're passionate about evangelism. Me too, man. I'm an evangelist at heart. And uh, that's why I need. To, I, I just want to see many souls come to Christ. So I mean, doesn't that uh, you know? I think apologetics has been defined as just pre-evangelism. <laughs> you know? Often, yeah, sure. It's 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 uh, the way I look at it is it's a uh, it's a tool in our tool belt. You know, it's something exactly. that that we uh, that we need to keep honed and sharpened and know where it is and use it and uh, in in the hopes that God is in in the process of using us to soften uh, hard hearts and turn them to hearts of flesh. Um, I think I think Kevin was a uh, Calvinist, and uh, you know, um, I basically am, have gotten more conservative as I've gotten older, and so I'm more Calvinist and Reformed now. So, um, you know, yeah, we have we have strong arguments for all that. I think uh, you know the theologians on the conservative side have dealt with this pretty strongly and have great arguments. Where yeah, even the liberal side of Christianity, you know, something like this open theism, or you know, somebody like Clark Pinnock, or some, you know, yeah. the progressives that have have, you know, <clears throat> uh, does God really control the future? Is He really omniscient? Is He really omnipotent? <laughs> does He even know what's going to happen? Well, we can I cover mean, that in the next half no, hour. Right? There's yeah. no answers there. Well, yeah, there aren't any, and this is what's led. And I'm I'm going to let you go here, David, because we're running sure. up to our hard break. But thanks for okay. calling. But um, but but David brings up a really good point there, and so this this is the, one of the main issues with progressive Christianity and these people who, um, what they're doing. This group of Christians is they're eliminating basically they're eliminating the cross of Christ. You have people like Brian Zond who, who uh, who, who preaches a a truncated false gospel, and he's because he's he's saying that you know the, that a God that would allow his son to go to the cross is an evil God, but it's in the cross, and then Jesus on it where we find the ultimate solution to the ultimate problem, which is sin, which is evil. So anyways, we're, uh, we're apologetics.com radio and we're live with you. Wow. That first half hour went so fast, but we have another half hour coming up after this break. So hang in there with us. 
mission of apologetics.com is to challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe on the radio, on the internet, and now in the Life of the Mind conferences. If you believe in the work that Apologetics.com is doing, we encourage you to support us with your prayers and also with your tax-deductible gift so that this ministry will continue on the air, on the web, and in events near you. Gifts of any amount are appreciated, and it's very simple to participate. Just go to Apologetics.com and click Donate. It's safe and secure. Or you can send your check or money order to Apologetics.com, 1900 Southwestern Avenue, San Pedro, California, 90732. Thank you for supporting Apologetics.com. Forgiveness and Bitterness. Without the first, you will limp through life with the second. Hello, I'm Chuck Swindoll. Misunderstanding can breed deep-seated bitterness, which doesn't easily go away. Forgiveness must occur if you ever hope to be free of your painful past. That doesn't mean you agree with what happened. It doesn't necessarily mean you now have a close relationship with your offender. But it does mean you let it go forever. And, yes, to forgive does mean you ultimately need to forget. Bitterness deposits dangerous germs in our memory banks. You must forgive, and then you must let it go. Pastor and teacher Chuck Swindoll. Visit Insight for Living's website at insight.org. This is John MacArthur inviting you to join me for Portraits of Grace. As Christians, you have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, Scripture says. Before the foundation of the world, God placed His love on you and brought you into His kingdom. The fact that God chose you exalts Him by demonstrating His love and grace toward miserable sinners. It eliminates pride by affirming that you are totally dependent on God's grace. And it ought to promote such gratitude that you long to live in holiness and serve Him at any price. Rejoice in your election and yield to the Holy Spirit's leading so God's choice of you will be evident to all who know you. This is John MacArthur, trusting that your life is a portrait of grace. All right, let's get back to the Apologetics.com radio show. We are hot. I'm headbanging. We are so hot. It's like boiling in here, man. We're, we're, we're uh, boiling. Dude, that was 30 minutes gone in like the blink of an eye. Further evidence that time flies, man. Oh, I was going to say evil. Further evidence of evil. I don't know if it's evil, though. It was, it was an evil time we just had. We had a caller, David. That's true. David was great. It's evil that we only have a, a half hour left. We only have a half. It is evil that we used to have two hours on the on the air, and then that just seemed daunting after a while. Getting home at 3 o'clock in the yeah, morning is tough. Brutal. That's brutal. 2 o'clock is a little bit better. But um, uh, So, hey, if you're listening, guys, uh, you're not just listening uh, for fun. You're listening, hopefully, to be edified and 
hear about the glory of God as he exists. And, uh, and this is apologetics.com radio where we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. And I am John Noyes. I'm your host and I'm with Eric Horn. You're my co-host here in studio in KKLA's headquarters in Glendale, Glendale. with the cockroaches. Glendale. Glendale, California, California. I don't sing. Knows how to party. You know, that's Tupac. No, that was, was that Tupac? I think it was Dr. Dre. You know, Biggie. Headphone guys? Biggie Biggie Smalls. I'm going, going back, back to Cali, Cali. Dude, such a great song. That's uh, Route 66, isn't it? Oh, maybe. I mean, he might have played on that, but I just listened to a podcast about Biggie and Tupac. It was fantastic. (laughs) Six, Six or seven powder. They both were shot. Biggie was shot here in L.A., Right outside uh, uh, the automotive museum, down like right, right in Golden Mile. That's nuts to me. Yeah, that whole industry that that they get, they shoot each other. Well, yeah, I because mean, before they're in the is industry. it because they have a, rep- a reputation that they need to uphold or something or what's the deal there? I don't know. I think you kind of got to listen to the podcast. Oh, but yeah, no, it's um, I mean, there's there's uh, there's other stuff going on. I mean, like gangsta stuff going on straight up. So there's like a hustle behind the hustle. I see. And street cred and stuff like this. And lots and lots of money. <laughs> you know, money's the root of all evil. Dude, you're so good. You're amazing. It is the root of all evil. What What is evil? What is it? I wonder what evil is. Oh, how would you define evil? Uh, well, the, the vague definition I'd give you is it's the absence of good. <clears throat> but that doesn't really get us a whole whole lot. It gives us a little context. Um, I think it's um, it's the absence of good in the sense that um, we were talking uh, like like uh, darkness is to light. Yeah, we're, we're, darkness isn't really a thing. It's just it's the, the absence, absence of, of a thing. thing. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. It's like the shadow of a, of somebody when you're standing in the shadow. The shadow represents. It's not evil. It just represents evil. It's the absence of light. Um, I I usually start with that. It's. Uh, it's not a thing. It's something, but it's not a thing. Like, uh, you can't go into Albertsons and buy like six quarts of evil. You know what I mean? There's no matter. There's no substance to it. So it's right. not a thing like like that. You know, you can't go into Seven Eleven and buy a pack of evil. Um, you know, and and the reason why I bring that up is because it's it's something, but it's not some thing. It's not a thing. Therefore, God didn't create it. Because oftentimes what's going to be brought up in the course of this discussion is, well, didn't God create evil? Well, no, he didn't create evil because it's the absence of something. It's the absence of something that's fundamental to God's character, which is goodness. So God is all good, and anything less than all good has in it some form of evil. So it's the absence of that goodness. So as such, God didn't create it. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me. Does that make sense to, to everybody listening? I wish I had a picture of everybody listening. If it, if it makes sense to you guys, give me a call. If it doesn't make sense to you, no. Uh, but do give us a call at 888-995-5552 with any questions that you might have through the course of the evening. We'd love to hear from you. 888-995-KKLA. And uh, even if it's off topic, I mean, I'm not scared to go off topic, but this is a good topic. Could you, could you say – so we, we, we've said that evil's uh, not, a, not a thing. It's, it's a, not a it's thing. A, it's a concept. It's a. I'd I'd say it's for it's more than just a concept, right? So it's more than just like a, uh, 
it's it's more than something that just exists in our mind. There is a, a an actual manifestation of evil. It represents itself in real ways. So it's not just a, um, like an immaterial abstract object, like a number. Right, okay. Or the color red. Or the color red, yeah. Um, well, even the red, even though it's similar to red, but more similar to red because red has properties. So red would have mm. like wavelengths and if you stuff you like that. This is the stuff I think about at 1230 at night. <laughs> uh, would, would you say that evil was is intentional? Is it, uh, was it intended? Did God intend it? Yeah. To, to, to I mean, can you even say it exists? Yeah, it exists. It, 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 that's the thing that draws everybody yes. together. Evil exists across the board. It's it's uh it's and it's almost measurable in that you know. I mean, like we kind of talked about before. There's there's a distinct difference between, um, you know, uh, me stealing a pop tart from the school cafeteria, and uh, you know, Hitler killing twenty million Jews. I mean, these these things. They're both uh, they're both uh, uh they're both evil. Um, but they're uh, not equal. So the, right. they're equal in their punishment. Their result ultimately ends in the same, but not in their grotesqueness is what I said. So it's measurable um, in that way. You know, so it's something, you know, um, and then the problem's real. There is evil in this world and evil's... Uh, so the way that I say it is, is uh, evil is a uh, privation of good. It's the absence of goodness. Um, and like I said before, just as the like a shadow is the absence of light or the one that the, all the kids love when I when I teach this uh, wherever I am in the country and I teach on evil. It's the it's like the hole in the donut. It's, <laughs> it's where the donut ain't, you know, and that's evil. And that, that that was better before they came out with, you know, the donut holes now. But, they, you know, it's like but that's that's the truth of it. Right. So the problem's real and it, and evil is a real thing. It's something. But it's not a thing, so God didn't create it. But you and, know, and all he, all all people agree, there's there's evil in the world. Like there's there's nobody out there saying there's really no evil. Like no, not even materialists aren't saying there's no evil. Yeah, so that's like that's a really interesting discussion point to have, uh, or discussion to have because there's a lot of naturalists like Michael Roos and and Richard Dawkins. They'll say that evil exists, but it's not real evil. It's not something. It's uh, it's there's an illusion of evil it's uh it's it's a subjective subjective thing thing that that is is um that that floats with the individual because they can't then the reason why they say that is because they can't say that there's an objective evil because uh, if they say that evil exists objectively uh that means they have to say good exists objectively and that means if if you say good exists if you say evil exists that means you're, you you have a standard by which you're judging good and evil and if you have a standard by which you're judging good and evil you have to have a standard giver yep. there has to be somebody giving to you that standard um and so so that's why the the naturalist the hardcore naturalist will uh will avoid that at all costs but guess what i have i have somebody on the line that we both love dearly I think yeah. this is him. This is Joel. Let me see. Let me see. Hey, Joel, is this you? This is me. Yeah, hey, Joel. Joel, man, I'm looking at your empty chair, like right here. Your microphone is all plugged in. We got some headphones waiting for you. Some but wings. Some wings. We do have some wings at your seat, actually. <laughs> but um, but it's good. I'm glad that you're able to call in, man. How you doing? All right. Yeah. Do you got Do you got something to add for us? Have you been listening? 
I have been listening. I, I missed a little bit of the beginning, but yeah, I've, I've heard most of it. I'm. I just uh, one of the things that occurred to me was uh, that I feel like this problem of evil kind of overlaps with kind of the general uh, theology of prayer. Like Jesus, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, uh, "Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." Now, does that imply that the will of God is being done less on earth than in heaven? Because if the Lord's will is being done everywhere, nothing is happening outside of his will. That's right. Why are we praying for his will to be done? So there is some kind of, there is some element of these other wills being done. (laughs) Well, there's a battle raging, right? Right. There's some kind of rebellion going on. And <laughs> how, how that fits in with the sovereignty of God is uh, not necessarily a mystery I expect us to solve tonight. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there's this dimension to that whole, um, that whole viewpoint. Yeah, sure. There are other wills being asserted on this earth. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a battle. So Ephesians six is clear on this, right? There's a there's a battle that's raging raging around us. Second Corinthians something. I forget where it is now. Oh, you know what? I didn't bring my Bible. Oh man, I always forget it when I ha- I hate it when I uh, forget my Bible. Um, but there's um, there's there's a battle raging around us, and that battle isn't against flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual battle. So so while the war technically has been won, I think that this is how it's normally communicated the war has been won death has been conquered it's already right jesus defeated the grave Uh, he's risen he's now at the right hand of god the father but that doesn't mean that there's still not little battles that are or little uh yeah little battles that are are going on around us and and all of this I, i i have no problem putting this firmly at the feet of the sovereignty of god and that comes uh like a little later in the discussion when we start to talk about the the solution to the problem of evil that the Christian has that I don't think any other worldview has we can lean heavy into the sovereignty of God um, and understand that evil isn't wasted evil isn't this uh, ev- the, the existence of evil in the world isn't isn't like a surprise to God and it's not for not it's not it's used in other words. You know, the scriptures are pretty clear about that. These are but momentary light afflictions producing us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. So these afflictions that, that we're going through, and this is Paul saying this, and Paul knew what afflictions were. I mean, he wasn't like, oh, man, I had a paper cut, or oh, I wish I didn't stub my toe. I can't wait for God to get rid of bedposts so I don't <laughs> stub my toe. You know, he knew what, what afflictions were. I mean, we, we read that in the scriptures. I mean, his... You know, shipwrecked and and beating and scourged and abandoned and um, just amazing trials. And he says that these are but momentary light afflictions, meaning they're they're going to pass because ultimately God's going to heal all the hurt in the world. But even even more than that is they're producing something in us that otherwise wouldn't be there had we not gone through the the thing that we're persevering through the evil. So in a very real way, I believe this is my solution to the problem of evil. Ultimately, I'm just laying all my cards on the table, is that uh, that the evil that we experience is being used by the sovereignty of God, God's will. God is using that in my life to prepare me for the eternal weight of glory, which is far beyond all comparison. 
And uh, in that, in, in that, what I think one aspect of that is that he's preparing me to reign and rule with Christ forever and ever in heaven and, and on a new earth, new creation. And because of these evils that I've experienced both uh, personally, but also witnessed, I'm then going to look at the new creation and I'm going to be like, I don't ever want to go back to, to that nastiness because I know what sin is. I know what evil is and I don't ever want to experience it again because the, 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 the new creation is just going to taste that good. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, yeah, in, in part. I mean, I think that there's some things in the, even the Bible concerning, like, you know, why does, why does God answer prayer? Like, or why, why do things turn out differently when we pray? Like, if there's an injustice and people pray and there's a miraculous, response, would that miraculous response not have been done if the prayers weren't offered, even though God's will is for justice to be done? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah, but but also, like, wouldn't... I know exactly what you're saying, but we're also viewing this from, from our perspective, right? Not from God's. So so God views things from from the top down, and we're we're in the middle of it all. So what you and I like an unanswered prayer, for example, what we might consider um, evil or or not not good, um, God might use that uh, to, for for ultimate good, which I which I think is important to understand. I don't know if that answers anything that you just brought up. What do you think, Eric? Eric Horn. What do you got for us, man? Well, you got, I mean, there's, there's, you're, you're kind of walking into a trap, aren't you? When you, when you talk that way, because you, you, you set yourself up for, I saw it flash. You, 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 um, you set yourself up for the question of, of, so, so this horrible, horrible thing that happened to my sister, how is that, how is that evil thing training her? Or how does, you know, the elimination of 6 million Jews train people for evil? Yeah. Did it have to be the, to that extreme? Yeah, and, and what is God doing about that? Yeah, and well, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm ready to answer it if if that's what we want to do, um, you know. But I think, well, first and foremost, I think we have to point out that, you know, um, the the presence of evil ultimately isn't uh, it, it's not evidence for it's not evidence against the existence of God. It's ultimately evidence for the existence yes. of God. Even if I can't answer every objection, even if I don't yes. know why God would allow uh, us to live in a world where atrocities like the Holocaust or, um, or these things happen, or even if I don't know Joel, why he doesn't seemingly answer uh, maybe not every prayer, because I think like if he answered every prayer, have you guys ever seen Bruce Almighty? Yes, that's or no, amazing. or Evan Bruce Almighty, it's Bruce Almighty, where he, he just like he answers the yes, lottery tickets, and yeah, and everybody. Yeah. I mean, it just it create it's total chaos, you know. Um, and then I know that Joel, you're asking a different question than that. It's a little bit more uh, refined, certainly. But I mean, there's certain times. That, I mean, God answers every prayer, right? He just answers. Uh, he says yes. He says maybe, and he says no. You well, know, sometimes says, he answers it in ways we don't expect. Yeah, absolutely. And and I just trust, again, I trust in the sovereignty and the goodness of God that every answer that he gives is right. It's it, every answer, even if I can't see the goodness or the right in it, I trust God because I know who he is. And um, and that's a hard place to land, I think. You know, um, 
but ultimately to bring it kind of back to the the just I just want to drive this home for our listeners because I think that this is an important objection to understand that if you recognize evil is is something real like so all of us agree that evil exists even Joel when you call and you're saying about prayer and, and it's the the will of God and it seems to be like if everything is in the will of God what of all this evil it's a recognition that evil exists and uh, then this is evidence that God exists uh, to and and there's a perfect standard. Uh, to, that we have to measure that behavior by, which is what Eric and I were kind of pointing to just a couple minutes ago, where there has to be the standard, and, and that standard has to um, come from somewhere, a standard giver. And actually, C.S. Lewis is is uh, he? So C.S. Lewis, I'm just going to read a C.S. Lewis quote because I think it demonstrates this really, really well. He says, "My argument against God was so he's, Lewis. If you guys don't know, uh, Lewis was an atheist, and then he became a Christian later during in World life, War Two. During right? World War Two, yeah." He says, my argument against God was that the universe seems so cruel and unjust, but how had I gotten this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call something crooked unless he has some idea of what a straight line looks like. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? I think that's just really important to to understand um, before we start talking about, you know, uh, why you know why is god why does god allow all this evil i think it's important to understand that the very the very fact that there is evil or something we call evil points to the existence of god does that does that make sense guys yeah yeah so so god well so wait so so why does god well never mind no ask the question um go ahead joel no, no, go, go ahead. If, you, if you're thinking of something, go nope, ahead. I can't form my question. That's okay. So interrupt me if it comes back to you. <laughs> but I, I think that um, I think that one of the reasons one of the reasons why I think that the uh, the story of the Garden of Eden is uh, critiqued by atheists so strongly is that those same issues are evident from the very beginning that God is. God is tolerating this dissenting voice in the garden, like the serpent's able to speak, you know, these deceptive lies in the garden, and and God's permitting it to happen, and God God's permitting uh, Adam and Eve to be able to make wrong choices. God's permitting them; He's giving them access to this tree that will open their eyes and make them see things that they're actually not ready to see. And one of the, you know, some of the objections is, well, a good God would not have yeah. let this be possible. He would have put, you know, training wheels in the garden and guardrails so that they couldn't, you know, they couldn't stick the fork into the electric socket and ruin humanity. But God is uh, allowing these things from the very beginning. Yeah. It's it, it 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 actually what you're saying is it stems so where the bite is it comes in the first premise of the ultimate objection that we're talking about that God's all good and and being all good he would want to eliminate all the evil. So in order to show that premise wrong it's kind of like what you're saying there's there's a justification a reason for God to allow evil in the first place. Like the idea is is that God has no reason or justification to allow any evil and it's just not true. You know, th- does God want to eliminate uh, all evil? I'd say no to that, and um, maybe this is an uncommon 
uh, way to answer this objection because it doesn't seem palatable. But when we think about it, it's true. You know, um, I think about currently right now, right, uh, the the pain of of receiving an injection for a, a, a vaccine, and then relate that. I always relate that to my kids because it's a little bit different with adults, but with the kids, um, there's certain things that we subject our kids to that are, that are painful, but it's for their ultimate benefit. Or, or then I think of you know what about diseases like the CIPA disease, CIPA disease, where uh, these are people who suffer from a condition where they don't feel pain. So, like you can break your foot and you have no idea. You can lean against a burning stove and you have absolutely no idea that it's happening to you. So when you start eliminating pain, when you start eliminating suffering, things like gnarly things happen, you know. And and then ultimately, uh, I, I I like try to go back to scripture for all things, right? So so I I think that we see a pattern in scripture where God uses the pain in in our lives and in the lives of his. Uh, his followers for a good purpose, you know, um, you know, everybody knows Romans, right? So Romans eight twenty eight, God causes all things to work together for those, uh, for, for the good of those who love him to those who are called according to his purposes. So we can trust in that. That's a promise to all of us that God is going to work all of these things together for the good of those who love him, even the pain and the suffering, even the extreme stuff, you know, that's a hard statement, but we see an example even of even of extreme stuff in Scripture when we go to Genesis fifty twenty, where this is the story of Joseph, right? And and everybody knows what happened to Joseph, right? He he was uh, he was abandoned, he was thrown in a hole, he's sold into slavery, Potiphar's wife. I mean, this is this is a mess of a life that Joseph had, but ultimately, it was all used for a purpose. Like all this evil that happened to Joseph was used for a purpose, and that that purpose was to save the nation of Israel during famine. When he invited his his brothers and his family and the nation of Israel, and because he 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 had the dreams from God to store up all the food in Israel, and so Genesis fifty twenty says, "As for you, Joseph's brothers, he's talking to his brothers. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive, as they are today." You know, we see it again in the, all through the New Testament, like the blind man in John nine two and three. You know. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This is like, my daughter just asked me recently about this passage. And she was like totally heartbroken. Actually, it was in the context of we were in Las Vegas. I had just done a, a series of talks, apologetics talks for Stand to Reason. And, um, and we walked, I made the mistake of walking my, my 10, 8, 7, and 3-year-olds down the Las Vegas Strip at like 9 o'clock at night. Not wise. Don't do that. <laughs> and uh, and anyways, uh, she Phoebe, who's who's super in, t- in tune to these things, uh, saw a lot, and she asked a question about a man she saw that was screaming, and she said, like, what was it? Like, who sinned? You know, is is like what affected him? And I I led her through this passage where it says, disciples they see the blind guy say, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? This is an affirmative that this man was born. And Jesus says it wasn't uh, that the man who sinned or his parents, but the works of but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So in this perceived evil, in this perceived result of the fallen world, sin, this man's blind. This this is uh, this is def- certainly a result of the fall. I mean, in heaven there aren't going to be any blind folks. I don't think, but this even this evil is used unto the glory of God as as God's displayed through him. So I think that there's good reasons to believe that suffering and 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 evil are are allowed uh, by God. You know, especially when we put it in light of a heavenly perspective. 
as eternity waits for us. You know, God uses this stuff. He tests us through evil and suffering. He he builds patience. Um, he, uh, that's one of my, my, one of my favorite, my favorite verses is Romans five, three. And, and not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. This is Paul. He's saying we exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character, hope. And then he goes on to say, Paul goes on to say, and a hope that does not disappoint. And it all starts. This is the, what I call the threefold chain of tribulation, you know, where there's these challenges, these perseverances, these that have to come up because of this evil and they're producing something in people for mainly patience or perseverance you don't persevere through things that you enjoy you persevere through things that are that are hard you know and and then that perseverance produces in you a proven character and that's not just simple character that's not this is this is the character that comes with being a war war war-torn veteran you know it's not the green recruit that we're talking about this is the guy who's been through the thick of it and it's proven character that's in him and then that proven character produces the hope that we have um, anyways, I'm sorry, guys. I kind of went off just That's good. Uh, on it, but I, I but I think that this is really important to say because oftentimes when we when we talk and we only have a couple minutes left, but oftentimes when we talk, we always jump to free will, and I think that there's better reasons why God allows evil. Oh my gosh, that's the music. That's less than two, yeah. Then, then the free will. I'm so sorry, Joel. You had so much to say too, man. Oh, that's okay. That's a casualty, <laughs> dude. You're not in studio, so <laughs> to you. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, um, there's something about the situation with the garden that kind of reminds me of this um, movie Soldier. I don't know if you ever saw it with Kurt Russell. No, I'm a Christian, yeah. man. I don't watch those kind of movies, dude. No, no, no. I no, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. But, hey, Joel, our music's on. We literally have like 10 seconds. So I have to, okay. I'm going to let you go, okay? See you, Joel. Okay. Uh, on, on the line, you can't always hear the music. But, hey, guys, if you're listening, this was like the quickest treatment of the problem of evil you've ever heard this is apologetics.com radio i'm john i'm in studio with eric we will see you next week talk to you then